Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Vox Tablet. I'm your host, Sarah Ivry. Today, the first and last time Jews were expelled from U.S. territory. Since the death of Ulysses S. Grant in 1885, historians have debated his achievements as a war general and as a president. In a new book, Jonathan Sarna weighs in from a different angle. Specifically, Sarna looks at Grant's infamous General Order No. 11, which Grant issued in 1862, expelling all Jews from the area under his jurisdiction. The order caused something of an uproar and, according to Sarna, had repercussions that lasted long after it was revoked. Sarna's book is called When General Grant Expelled the Jews. It's the latest from Next Book's Jewish Encounter series. We're delighted today to have Jonathan Sarna with us in the studio to talk about it. Welcome to Box Tablet. Thanks. Nice to be here. Jonathan, let's start with General Order Number 11. What exactly did the order say and why did Grant issue it? So the order expelled Jews as a class from uh, his war zone, a quite uh, significant uh, area that included Mississippi and parts of Kentucky, Tennessee, Ohio, big area. And um, he expelled Jews, I would say there was a a cause and an occasion. Uh, The cause was smuggling. Uh, Grant was deeply uh, interested in defeating the South uh, through sieges, and, uh, you know, famously the Siege of Vicksburg, and uh, naturally uh, smuggling, uh, to his mind, harmed uh, the Union cause. Now, the truth is, there was a fortune to be made in smuggling, and we know very well that lots of people were smuggling. Uh, the military men were smuggling, politicians were smuggling, all sorts of people were smuggling. But Jews, many of them new immigrants, were visible, and as so often happens, you uh, mark a visible group for what is actually a widespread problem. Uh, but, of course, this had been going on for months, and the question is, why suddenly in December uh, does Grant decide that he needs to expel the Jews? And the answer, I think, is uh, that in December, Grant's father, Jesse Grant, pays a visit to um, the headquarters, and in tow uh, are several members of the Mack family. These are prominent Jewish clothing merchants from Cincinnati. In fact, as Grant quickly learned, his father and the Max had come up with a scheme whereby they would transport cotton from the south to the north. Uh, Ulysses would give them passes in order to do that, and Jesse Grant would pocket 25% of the profits. Well, um, Ulysses S. Grant exploded when he heard this. The relationship between father and son was not great, and here he's trying to prevent smuggling, and his own father has been importuned into a smuggling scheme with these Jews, and according to eyewitness accounts, uh, he immediately issues uh, this order. In a sense, instead of expelling his father, he expels the Jews. Uh, So that's the occasion for the order. How many Jews are we talking about? What was the population, uh, what was the Jewish population under Grant's jurisdiction and what was the general population under his jurisdiction? Um, 
There are about 150,000 Jews total in the Union and the Confederacy around the Civil War, uh, the bulk of them in the Union, um, uh, maybe 25,000, 30,000 in the Confederacy. Uh, the number in Grant's territory uh, would be substantially smaller. We actually don't have a count, but Memphis uh, was a very significant Jewish community at that time, uh, and you also had numbers of Jews who were uh, involved as merchants in the area, and of course, which Grant completely forgot, he had Jewish soldiers in uh, fighting under his command, and you had Jewish sutlers. Sutlers uh, were the people who sold provisions to uh, the soldiers, and uh, the sutlers played a very important role. This was something that Jews had engaged in for uh, hundreds of years, really, because they knew so much about uh, how to acquire and how to sell and and so on. So. All of them were in this territory. Uh, it does not appear that Grant thought hard before issuing the order. He later admits that he uh, uh, ordered it quickly and uh, no sense that he um, thought about its uh, implications in any way. As you point out in the book, this order was – poorly disseminated, and it was quickly revoked. So in the end, how many families actually did uh, move out of his territory? The order affected far fewer people than we would have imagined. Um, I couldn't find even 100 Jews who uh, had been affected. Uh, for those who were affected, they never forgot it, but uh, it's not a, a huge number. And that actually was a great puzzle for me when I started working on this. General gives an order. Why didn't they expel all the Jews from all of the cities? And um, uh, it took a while until I realized that soon after the order had been issued, Grant's forces were attacked and the telegraph lines were cut. Once the telegraph lines were cut, of course, the order couldn't be properly disseminated. And if people had questions or, you know, are we supposed to send away our Jewish soldiers? Are we supposed to close down the settlers? Who's going to sell to the soldiers? So um, lots of people never saw the order or were unable to communicate with headquarters. Um, and uh, that was very fortunate uh, from a Jewish perspective. How did Jews respond to the order? So word of the order travels fairly slowly. We we see some reports, confused reports in Jewish newspapers, but um, the order really becomes known when the Jews of Paducah, Kentucky are expelled. Um, the Jews of Paducah, Kentucky, were quite far from the war zone. Paducah had been a border um, a town. It was occupied by Grand months earlier. And uh, one day, the, the merchants are called in in December and handed this order and, and told to leave. Well, uh, one of them, whose name was Caesar Caskell, 
was quite a strong supporter of the union. He'd actually been involved in recruiting troops for the union. And uh, he's absolutely outraged. So he decides uh, that he is personally going to go down to Washington to lobby uh, for this outrageous order to be reversed. Uh, It's an example of a man who we would never have heard of in Jewish history, a merchant who in um, a moment of crisis takes personal responsibility for uh, the good name of the Jewish people. And, of course, he um, stops in Cincinnati and alerts uh, Isaac Mayer Wise and and Max Lilienthal and others there to what's going on. Uh, But he then runs ahead and uh, gets to Washington a few days before a group of rabbis. But once uh, he issues his press release, which the Associated Press carries, then the order becomes uh, very widely known. And we begin to see letters and telegrams bombarding Washington and delegations of Jewish leaders prepare to travel there. But as I say, Kaskill gets there first, just as the Jewish Sabbath is ending, and goes straight to a friendly Republican congressman, Gurley, and uh, the congressman brings him to see Lincoln. And uh, in those days, uh, you could get in to see Lincoln if you had a congressman in tow. And they go and see Abraham Lincoln with uh, this uh, mission um, uh, to to have the order uh, reversed. And what is Lincoln's reaction? Is he sympathetic or is he uh, siding with Grant? This is one of these occasions where Lincoln is every bit as good as you want him to be. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Of course, nobody in Washington had seen this order. Indeed, they didn't think it was true. But fortunately, he had a copy of the order. And later on, they uh, tell this great uh, story about how – Caskell comes to see Lincoln and and Lincoln, who uh, knew Jews but also knew his Bible, says, oh, so the children of Israel have been expelled uh, from the happy land of Canaan. Uh, And Caskell remembered saying, yes, and that is why we have come unto Father Abraham's bosom. And uh, Lincoln rose to the occasion and said, yes, that protection I shall have at once and um, uh, gives orders that General Order Number 11 be revoked. Uh, and uh, telegrams go out. Of course, those orders by then did get through to Grant and they immediately revoke the order. Uh, so in a sense, by then the whole story Um, would seem to be over, except, of course, uh, the Democrats uh, who were unhappy at uh, many human rights violations in the Civil War and, of course, were unhappy at the Republican handling of the war, wanted to censure Grant in Congress. A A lot of newspapers censure Grant And uh, there are several weeks of discussion, uh, but in the end, the sense is the order has been revoked and uh, they move on, uh, you know, to the next issue, which is actually uh, the Emancipation Proclamation. 
You mentioned the Emancipation Proclamation, and you make the point in the book, which is quite a fascinating point, that a lot of the Jews in the United States at that time were uh, really uncomfortable with the Emancipation Proclamation. I wonder if you can tell our listeners what was that discomfort about? One of the things that most surprised me in my research was the extent to which Jews linked the expulsion of Jews from Grant's war zone on December the 17th, 1862, and the Emancipation Proclamation, January the 1st, 1863, and concluded, understandably but wrongly, that uh, black Americans were no longer going to be the outgroup. They were going to be freed. And they said, well, it's clear the new outgroup is, is the Jews. And uh, uh, indeed, one newspaper publishes these documents together. You expel the Jews, you free the slaves. And um, we find several Jewish leaders uttering words that are painful to read in retrospect um, uh, about how politicians seem to care a great deal about black Americans but don't seem to care about Jewish Americans. And I do think what we see here is uh, the response of minorities who often feel, well, if this minority moves up, there must be an equal and opposite reaction, as if in physics, and my minority group will suffer. Uh, We have the luxury of knowing that didn't happen, uh, but it was fascinating to see the Jews thought it would happen. After the war ended and Grant won the Republican nomination for president, American Jews faced a quandary about whether or not they should vote for him. You make the point in the book that this was really the first time in an American election that the idea of Jews as a voting bloc came into play. And I wonder if you could walk us through the election debates among Jews in 1868. When... General Grant uh, becomes the Republican candidate in 1868. This is an unprecedented challenge for the Jewish community. Uh, Never before had there been a major party candidate who had as part of his record that he had expelled Jews from a war zone. Um, And, uh, of course, the Democratic opponents of Ulysses S. Grant looking uh, for ways to damage his reputation. He, after all, was a great hero. He was seen as the man who had won the war for the Union. Uh, So if you were a Democrat, you wanted to damage his reputation, and General Orders number 11 was tailor-made. So Many, many people who had not heard anything about General Orders Number 11 learned about it in 1868. And what that meant for Jews was that they had to decide, uh, will they vote against Grant because he had expelled the Jews? And that meant voting for a Democratic Party that was openly racist, that wanted to undo all of the Reconstruction era laws uh, that had benefited black Americans and who uh, said openly that they did not want uh, black votes. So, you know, are you going to vote for a party 
that Jews may well have believed was bad for the country just in order uh, to avoid voting for a man who had done this terrible thing and expelled the Jews. And, and that was a very difficult quandary. And for the first time, we see Jews debating uh, who they should vote for, leading rabbis. Some said, when you go into the voting booth, you vote only as an American, and uh, the Jewish issue shouldn't enter your head. And others said, how can that possibly be? Um, uh, we have to remember the Jewish issue. We can't divide um, our Jewish selves from our American selves. How can we vote uh, for a man who did that to the Jews? Um, uh, and, and the debate uh, quite fiercely went back and forth, and uh, we see Jews politicking openly in a way that they never had before, uh, and, and we see a lot of attention paid to the Jewish vote, uh, I would say disproportionate uh, attention. It's interesting, so many of the debates that you're describing, uh, you could be describing today's situation with the Jews and voting and, uh, you know, the internal debates of do we, do we vote as Americans, do we vote as Jews, what does that mean? And uh, on the side of the politicians, of course, not so uh, unobvious pandering going on. <laughs> I, I, you know, in writing this section, I was perfectly well aware <laughs> that there were contemporary parallels. I think there are lots of people who in the election will say, do I vote for a party that's bad for the country just in order to avoid voting for a man who I may consider to be bad uh, for Israel? Some will say that. Uh, and 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 others will insist um, that has no place uh, in American politics, and uh, uh, you know even raise questions of dual loyalty, not realizing how old um, that debate is. In the book, you suggest that the period of Reconstruction was a kind of golden age for Jews in America. How so? Um. Nobody, I think, before has looked at Reconstruction um, and the Jewish community. Indeed, the tendency is uh, when you teach a class, you teach the Civil War, and then you move to East European Jewish immigration as if nothing uh, happened uh, in uh, those years. But what was amazing in uh, the years of Reconstruction, really, especially uh, during uh, Grant's presidency, is that we see Jews winning acceptance side by side with new acceptance of blacks. Uh, this is um, uh, what the historian Eric Foner calls unfinished freedom, meaning there is uh, this moment in time when America seemed to be moving in a much more tolerant direction and we see uh, liberalization on uh, race, and we see liberalization on religion. More Jews are appointed to public office by grant uh, than uh, probably all previous presidents combined. Um, and, and Grant is the first person to have a Jewish advisor. Uh, grant is a truly tolerant 
person as president. And he himself sees the parallel between new rights for blacks and new rights for Jews. And for the first time, American foreign policy is shaped in part by Jewish interests, meaning that when Jews are persecuted in Russia and Romania, uh, the president of the United States intervenes, believing uh, that uh, America now has a human rights mission long before we normally imagine human rights to be part of American foreign policy, usually dated uh, much later in the 20th century, but Grant articulated such an idea and, and indeed went to bat uh, for persecuted Jews in Russia and Romania uh, in utterly unprecedented ways in terms of American foreign policy. I can imagine some readers of your book and some listeners of this podcast might think to themselves, you know, given the enormous social upheavals that were going on in the United States at the time that this order was issued, and I'm talking, of course, about slavery and freedom, how much does this episode regarding the Jews matter? I mean, in the larger context of what was going on, isn't this somewhat of a trifle? I think that what makes the order important is what happens later. It's later uh, implications. Um, the fact uh, that it empowers Jews, the fact that the 1868 election discusses the order, the fact that Grant bends over backwards to include Jews um, uh, makes the order important. Indeed, an order meant to exclude Jews in many ways ended up empowering uh, those Jews. Uh, moreover, I, I think that um, countries are always changed by these episodes that in retrospect uh, horrify people that they went on, whether it's Abu Ghraib or whether it's the expulsion of the Jews, what's important is that once they become widely known, then one hopes people will say, next time we'll make sure it won't happen. In other words, it becomes a negative example. Uh, in some ways, I think it's tragic that the episode was forgotten. Uh, one wonders whether Japanese Americans would have um, uh, been uh, thrown into detention camps in World War II and uh, expelled from their cities uh, had this episode been taught and remembered. Um, so I think the episode is both a cautionary tale and a, a story about something that ended up changing America for the better uh, and improving the position of Jews uh, in uh, uh, the second half of the 19th century. Jonathan Sarna, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Jonathan Sarna is a professor of history at Brandeis University. He is the author of When General Grant Expelled the Jews. It's the latest title from Next Book Press. It's out now. 
You can find out more about the book and about Next Book's Jewish Encounter series on our website, tabletmag.com. Our podcast is produced by Julie Subrin. I'm your host, Sarah Ivory. Thank you so much for joining us.